Hi, I'm Phoebe Lover, and this is Deep Read, a podcast where I speak to big thinkers about big ideas. Every episode of the series is accompanied by a further reading list, which you can find at public-library.online. And if you enjoy the episode, I'd really appreciate if you could like, subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Thank you for listening. My guest today is Elijah, DJ, producer, artist manager, and now founder of Yellow Squares, a vessel for ideas on how to build a creative career in today's technology-driven world. Originally conceived as an Instagram feed of punchy, post-it style principles and questions, Yellow Squares has become an evolving medium for Elijah's own creativity, one that he has translated into live talks in London, Tokyo, and Sao Paulo, and an album produced in collaboration with Grime MC Jams. Elijah's optimistic but clear-headed philosophy has had a positive and expansive impact on the way I think about my own creative work, and I think it could do the same for yours. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Elijah. We started. We've started. Oh shit! Hold on, I'm gonna crack this. That's all good. No, crack it. Crack it. It sounds like. No, it it sounds like I'm having a beer beer on the on the podcast. Which it's water. I'm not. It's water for all those listening and concerned. Um, I'm actually gonna do something uh, controversial and unconventional for me today, which is I'm gonna have my phone out. Yep, it's fine. Not because I'm checking my Instagram, but because I want to refer to yours. Okay. Because uh, I'd like to speak to you about what you're doing on Instagram among other things. Okay. Um, maybe you could start by introducing yourself as you introduce yourself today, because I, I feel like I've no, I first met you a really long time ago. Yeah. I'm not going to age us by saying when that <laughs> might have been, but I think we're probably about the same age. Yep. And you were a grime DJ. That's right. And now? Now, I guess like my day job is as, as an artist manager. Okay. And I still DJ at night and do stuff around music and... Um, yeah, rap and grime and jazz and whatever it is. Um, mm. So it's a bit of both. So I guess my public facing persona has been as a DJ mm-hmm. for a long time on mm-hmm. the internet and I guess in real life, but then in the daytime, like everyone else, everyone's got like a day and a night thing or absolutely um, a public version or private version or something. So, but now I guess the work that I do in the daytime, I talk about on the internet, mm-hmm. whereas before I didn't. Right. And you've started this thing that I'm referring to as Yellow Squares. Is yeah. that its name? Yeah, I think it's that's the name now. I, think I was calling it all different things, but I think that's what it, it looks like. So it's writing on Instagram. That looks like post-it notes, um, but I just call them the Yellow Squares mm-hmm. of just ideas that I'm just, what I'm learning from working in music and create creative space and working with artists, working with companies, and just maybe the observations since things have opened up in 2021 like mm-hmm. that shut down like okay what is actually still true mm-hmm. what makes sense like are we are we doing the right thing here mm. i think that's the modest way of describing it so like the way i'm interpreting yellow squares is like that's your creative manifesto Ooh. yeah <laughs> that's the way i see it okay and i think that there's a lot of really genuinely useful advice on there i mean obviously instagram is overwhelmed with advice for people in all types of industries um but i really enjoyed reading what you were doing on instagram because i felt like in the uk particularly your 
First of all, moving with a bit of optimism, which is not um, our national character <laughs> and um, something that I personally find a bit difficult about living and working here. Um, but justifiably in this precise moment in the UK, working in creative industries or indeed any, any industry is quite, it, it's, it's draining, it's hard work. Um, so I just love like the kind of philosophical optimism, the visual optimism of the actual yellow and just kind of the messaging of what you're putting out there. Um, there's so much I want to talk to you about um, because again, I think it's like I was reading through it today and I was like feeling like motivated reading it. I was like, yes, this is, these are the mindset shifts that I need to do my day to day. But I want to start with one of the questions that you encourage people to pose to themselves, which is rather than how, start with why. Yep. So I wanted to ask you why you started Yellow Squares. Yeah, so over the last five, six years, I guess I've noticed a professionalization of the kind of work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So people going on courses, like learning how to become DJs for our schools, um, you know, spending like 30 grand on like university courses and then coming out into the working world and just like asking questions like how does this work mm-hmm. at like, the most basic levels so I'm like okay it was first like a questioning of the kinds of education and is it suitable for mm-hmm. I guess modern the modern world the world mm-hmm. that we live in and then I guess the sharp adjustment of the pandemic and everything that we've had to adjust to has been like okay an accelerant to that and then now um, I guess the why is me figuring out this stuff in real time too it's not coming from a top down, it's like my genuine curiosity. Like, hey, I'm a, as a manager, am I doing the right things? Am I working in the right direction? Is this like a worthy way of like spending my time mm-hmm. and life and resources mm. and questioning all my processes, team, um, yeah, ways of working, you know, f- you know, even just down to like, you know, lyrics in songs that I'm adjacent to, like mm. questioning like everything in mm-hmm. a way that I just didn't before. I was just, mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm vibes or whatever <laughs> like, yeah this is sick good old um, vibes yeah but I think I just reached a point where I was like okay let me just engage with everything around me a bit mm. more critically mm-hmm. so I guess yeah that's kind of the basis of it would you say that that sort of awareness that you needed to move with a bit more intentionality if that's the right word if that even is a word intentionality intention, intention yeah. yeah was something that solely came out of the pandemic or was it people that you were around conversations you were having books you were reading like where do you think that shift started for you yeah all of that so the actually stopping for for once most of the time you never get a chance to stop mm-hmm. like since i left university in 2009 i was just on a kind of hamster wheel just doing stuff going 100 miles an hour and not getting the time to think maybe mm. yeah, if you're sitting on, i don't know on a plane by yourself and you get a bit of like headspace but mm. all the rest of the time i just wasn't i was just doing Mm. and not thinking as much and it created some sick stuff but the pandemic was like okay now I live in Walthamstow I'm like sitting in Walthamstow in this park that I've never sat in because I've never really walked around my own area Mm. before what have I learned through this whole Mm. the last decade plus and then what of that is useful going forward and what yeah what what to do next like what yeah, what am I, what am I going to do with were all this f- information? Before the pandemic sort of like stopped you and everyone, were you feeling good about the way you were working? Were you feeling good about your future prospects? Like, how did the world feel to you? How did London feel to you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, 
I was just going. I, again, I'm, I'm not sure if I was thinking about it that much. I was questioning systems, um, but then I was, I was comfortable as well. Mm. So I could I could question things and not have have it affect me day to day. Yeah. So I would say, oh, okay, you know, maybe this system in the industry doesn't work for these reasons. But hey, like that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, that's just what it's going to be. Yeah. And I'm not going to like push back on it that much. Uh huh. Yeah, apart from maybe a few tweets and a conversation with friends or or something like that. But now, I guess that's part of the the thing. It's like, actually, I'm not going to do it that way. Let's try something different. And yeah. some of those ideas have started to work. What do you think is like, I mean, I don't, again, I want to talk through a lot of the different sort of, I suppose, principles of like this kind of philosophy that you're sharing. But what do you feel is like the, the biggest thing that needs to change? Um. I guess that there's just without even trying there's been all these boxes that we've fit in whether that's genres scenes ways of working in the industry and like knowing that you can start all those again from scratch Mm -hmm. and build something slightly different Mm -hmm. yes it's harder yes you're gonna have to explain yourself a bit more but it might work for you in a Mm -hmm. different way so like a a young artist coming through I guess I'm gonna just relate it to electronic music Mm because that's like my corner um, say like they'll DJ maybe they'll get a show on NTS they'll try and get a boiler room then they'll get an agent they'll get a manager and then they'll play gigs around the world and that's the only way they can see making a living out of that kind of work mm. when that's one way and yeah. I feel like there's a thousand or yeah. a million or whatever like, yeah. and because I guess because this thing has been professionalised and commoditized to a point you see all these people on Instagram which are like the 1% Mm. of people that are successful from doing it that mm. way that you think that's the way to do it that's the mm-hmm. way to become a DJ or that's the way to become a writer or this is the way to become a YouTuber or whatever you, those things are I'm like no like this can be it can be done any way you want mm. and that is the like I guess the core thinking but people are like oh but how I'm like I don't know use but, your imagination use your creativity yeah. Um, yeah I think what I find really interesting about about the way that you're sharing your message is that you're sort of playing into you know you've created a highly like visual shareable um, messaging method yeah. for want of a better term with this sort of like digital post-it notes very digestible information um, but a lot of it is about encouraging people to not you know or as you say yourself close it out make the thing right this sort of um dichotomy that we've a lot of creators find ourselves in where um we we can't get off instagram or we we struggle to disconnect from social media it's completely warping the way that we look at our careers mm-hmm. um and yet we feel bound to it to share to share our work um i don't know did you did you ever think about doing this in a, in a way that wasn't on instagram no i think it needs to be there i think that's like part of the the art of it mm. it's like actually showing people you could use Instagram differently. So yeah. Most people use Instagram, selfie, coffee, avocado toast, yeah. beach. Um, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. The collaboration with a brand, story, that's like mysterious. Mm-hmm. Like just all of the, all of the typical <laughs> Soft things. Reveal. Yeah. Soft reveal. Soft, yeah, the boyfriend reveal, all yeah. that stuff. Like, yeah. like that's, that's how, and that's fine. But yeah. is that helping the direction of the goals, whatever? Right. Like most of the time, not. And especially with, I guess, artists, pop stars, people that are angling in that way, they, they weirdly like use it like an uncle uses Facebook. Right. And I'm like, how does that connect to your art? I'm like, let's bring these things closer mm. together. If, um, 
uh, let's just say like R.I.P. Prince, like if he was approaching Instagram today, would he use it to post selfies in the studio or would he make that part of his musical universe? Mm. Like, uh, like one of these squares is like social media is a canvas. Like the album is like a canvas, the live show, films, visuals, and then socials. Mm-hmm. They should kind of all sit together as right. like one thing. Mm-hmm. But usually there's a ta- detachment. Yes. And I, and I, I just want to bring those things closer together. Right. And like, people fight back against that. They think, oh, just Instagram is just where I put my advert for where I'm going to be. I mean, at this point, and I don't say this as someone who uses my personal Instagram with any real strategy, but at this point, I almost reflect, like, I'm sorry, respect the like influencer girlies who are just posting their like pictures against walls, pictures against walls or whatever they're doing more because i'm like well at least you're using this to make some money like <laughs> yeah. what the rest what are the rest of us doing exactly. do you know what i mean and i think i suppose for a lot of people the struggle i think for many people it's just before you even get started on what your process is how you think about social is to identify as an artist mm-hmm. to call yourself an artist do you, is that something that you feel comfortable calling yourself yeah Have that's you- recent though okay that's recent and what's the sh- what's been the shift that i just could and mm. there's no one's going to say I'm not. Mm. But you were always an artist, no? Yeah, but I just didn't... I, I just thought the artist people, yeah, were like, I guess, like Prince or something. So I couldn't, mm. I couldn't frame myself in the same box as mm-hmm. that kind of person. Mm. I was just doing stuff, putting stuff together, producing shows and, and, and songs and all this kind of stuff. I never I never had that confidence to... to but it's weird because I have the confidence in many other places. Mm. So, but then now it's like, okay... Let me let me take this ownership of that and yeah. what do you do with it? Yeah. And I guess what I don't want to do with the, the squares and the pages like gaslight people and be like pushing people to identify something that they don't feel like they are yet or maybe not. Mm. But that's where I was at. Just I was like, okay, that shift just helped me. Yeah, to me though, it's like where it's really helpful is about bringing a bit of clarity back because I think for people certainly of around our age you know we've been on social media for like a decade now Instagram specifically and there's just so much confused people are still deeply they're so caught up in other people's lives other people's trajectories as you said earlier you know sort of this one in fact very limiting linear idea of what success looks like and they can't think clearly but their but their minds are literally muddled and I say they I mean me i mean everyone i know us us i shouldn't say that i mean we um it's so easy to just get completely muddled in that and then also like the the kind of the even more negative side effect is that it really impacts your creativity as you say when you sort of implore people to like think of different ways that they could um, approach their careers these are people who identify as creatives in one way or another they literally can't imagine anything and that just to me is like such an alarming piece of proof about how like indoctrinated like but we've become by this sort of dogmatic thinking and ideas of like how things should be it's almost like we have inherited like you know what was 50 years ago looked like sort of climbing a corporate ladder but we've just like made a new version of that where there's only one paradigm for success and it has to look like this and you have to be making this money and you have to be working with this brand and to the point where people can't even imagine an alternative exactly and part of being an artist is not just like making the songs and, you know, getting the deals and making the money. It's like creating like an artful life. 
yes. or creating artful yes. vision of the world. Like you see things differently. And that is, that is like a fundamental part that is getting skipped. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, that yeah. is to me, like one of the best sort of takeaways from what you're sharing um, is, is, is exactly that, like reminding people. I mean, I wanted to talk to you about sort of, you know, the economic situation globally, particularly in London right now, feels very challenging yeah. to say the least. And um, a lot of people, myself included, you know, constantly feel impeded by what we see as available resources out there, money, work for creators. And I think to some extent, I've lived in the US for a long time. I would say that there is a genuine um, difference, for example, in budgets available for creative work in the UK versus, say, in the United States. I can't really speak to other countries. So I, I don't think it's entirely like something of our own thinking, but I find it quite empowering that your message or takeaway from that is more so like, to as you say, to remind yourself that part of the art is creating within the confines of what's available to you. That's right. Can you speak to me yeah, a bit more so, about that? Yeah, one of the squares is like, art is making within your means. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the scene that I came out of and came from and was like grime, it was like, we created with nothing. Right. On pirate radio, there was an, there wasn't an, inf there was a, I guess a minor infrastructure like, left over from the hangovers mm. of the garage scene or something but there wasn't really anything there yeah so the idea today that someone looks at a scene like that and sees a viable career is like hilarious to me yeah because there was like nothing there when when i started yeah that's interesting because i want i feel like we've jumped straight in with what you're doing right now but obviously you've you know been in london doing things for a long time now and i was going to ask you about sort of like you know Grime, when you started being involved with Grime, it was what year? So like 2007, yeah. um, pre-Instagram, pre-social media, and like, for the most part, pre-social media. MySpace. Okay, MySpace. <laughs> but MySpace had a very different energy to everything yeah. that's come after it, you know? Definitely. What sort of, what, what, what do you think is the shift that you've noticed since, between then and now like like you say that sort of that was such a DIY culture and I feel like so many of great, London's greatest subcultures and scenes have arisen from this deeply DIY attitude that you didn't need commercial endorsement you didn't even need to be making money like and that has shifted so much can you just talk to me a bit more about like what that scene felt like when you were coming up in it and and how, what it looks like now and yeah the, I guess there wasn't a permission there was no like entry point that was like okay well at least that's how it felt to me I'm from East London, so maybe mm. I've got like some entry point already just by proximity. Yeah. But I guess the difference between now and today, all of these things have become so established, like the names of the people that, you know, become famous to a level. But at the time when I started, there were just men in the street mm. or just people just doing stuff. There wasn't, um, yeah, there wasn't riches and fame and that kind of trajectory that that was even possible. Mm. People didn't see um, artists and think, oh, this is someone that could you know, sell out the O2, for example, yeah. because we couldn't even do raves. So yeah. just, <laughs> the, the, every, that, every grime rave in London got shut down after yeah. about two minutes. So you couldn't even, most people couldn't foresee that. And I guess like, again, part of the art is like seeing value in something that people don't see yeah. value in. Yeah. And that was like part of the grime experience. But now I guess, no, this is not like necessarily grime thing, it might be drill or whatever the scene is today. People are asking for permission from mm. all of the things that have been established around it. So mm. like the businesses, the agencies, the things, it's like they ask for permission. They think that person or that person there, that gatekeeper, or this blog or this magazine is the conduit. Whereas at that time, I didn't feel like there was one. Right. 
it was like, okay, you wanted to do a, a night, oh, you just called up the thing, you just like put on, uh, call up um, Old Blue Last or something mm. and like put something on. It was that, that open. Do you think that that's because that was before a culture had developed in which everything is done for sort of validation online? Maybe. Because it's for me, yeah. it's hard. You know, I was like very sort of peripherally aware of and connected to that scene. As I said, we sort of came up and on at the same time. I was always really interested in it, but I didn't play a, a you know a role in it as mm-hmm. you did. And it's just so hard for me to imagine anything like that happening now. Yeah, anything with that sort of like, like you say, just sort of like lack of. It wasn't. It wasn't strategized. It was. It was just like raw, pure creativity. Yeah. Mostly made by kids who didn't have any resources available to them, but somehow managed to like pioneer this incredibly original sound. Yeah. I don't want to be depressing because again, I, what I really enjoy about your messaging is that it it is it's it's a, like a little ray of yellow sunshine yeah. in a in a sea of depressing shit. But people still do that but then it stops at a point. So right. they'll make the music and connect interesting things. And then they're like, all right, but now I need a manager. And yeah. I'm like, no, like you need to keep going. You have to see it all the way through. It's That's a, the bit where maybe the gap that I didn't have because there wasn't managers, there wasn't no, there were, you just had to see it through. So if you made like a record label, for example, yeah. then so oh, I literally started a label and then I was like, oh yeah, I like, need distribution. Yeah. Like I did, it, it even occurred to me. I was like, oh, I'll just take the records to the shop myself because mm. how else are you going to get them in the shop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the- How else would they be there? <laughs> um, and then, after, then on out. the second release, we got, actually got like a proper like deal yeah. with a company. Yeah. And the guy was like, you know, what were you doing? But I was like, well, <laughs> no one would give, I wouldn't even, would even know how to ask. Like, well, what the, I know. Or who the person is like, it's but incredible, but isn't it incredible stop, you know? the way that you find, I mean, I still kind of feel like I'm working like that a bit as we sit here <laughs> with my like crazy janky recording setup. Um, but it's crazy when I look back or think back on things I've done to make things happen, the ways, the ways you find to do stuff are yeah. incredible. And without sounding like a complete grandma, I do feel like the, the shift towards a, a culture of, as you say, sort of like professionalization, gratification, validation, mm-hmm has become a very short window. Like I'm sure, I mean, at that time, what did you like, did you project ahead and think this is going to be my career um, when you were sighing out and grime? I mean, no, I, I think I knew that it was like a short window of time of opportunity. Yeah. So I've, I'd like graduated and it was like the credit crunch when I graduated. So I was like, yeah. okay, I was looking for jobs. And, but then I was like, okay, there's this thing happening yeah. that I know that there's going to be a door closed at some point. Yeah. So let me just try while I've got the the time access, and space. Yeah, yeah, and access yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And then then I guess I hit a point where it's like, well, there's no going back now. I've done it mm. for a year. Let me just keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess now, hmm. I, I'm basically, I guess some of these questions, you're trying to like, Ask what a twenty-two-year-old or a twenty-one-year-old yeah. was thinking. I mean, no. If you asked me what I was thinking at twenty-one, I'd be <laughs> yeah. like, no idea. I wasn't. Fi- maybe just I just vibing. wasn't thinking. Just vibing. Yeah, I was just, just like, okay, just doing yeah. and figuring it out later. Like asking a question. Okay, this didn't work. This worked. And then some of the things that maybe didn't work at the time mm. became something later. Like the the relationships that got formed. Mm. You know, they became like long-term collaborations or something. Or mm-hmm. people like. Did, did I know that? 
I don't know, say like buying a boy better no t shirt in two thousand six would that logo and that infrastructure would still be in my life fifteen, sixteen years later. No, of course mm. not. But it sparked something. Yeah. And maybe seeing like some other guys from the ends do something similar or do something really yeah, just yeah, groundbreaking it was yeah, it was groundbreaking for the time. Mm. Like, okay, sick. I can do that too. It was a very energizing moment in London though, wasn't yeah. it? What I struggle to think is it like, cause I'm older, I'm definitely it's partly cause I'm older or how's, has London changed? Cause I feel that in that sort of era in London, you know, when you're talking about 2007, that was pretty early, but like even up to 2012, 2013, London felt like a very culturally energized place. There was mm-hmm. so much going on. Now, after like 12 years of Tory government, yep. it, you know, it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't feel like it has the same energy. And I say that sad, you know, sadly, and I, and it's not, that's not to say that I don't think anything's happening here or I still think the music culture in London is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It, the way that it en- endlessly sort of regenerates and reinvents itself is like incredibly inspiring to me. But it, otherwise, I find it hard to tap into that kind of energy that I guess sort of like boosted you along your path when you were 20, 18, 19, whatever it was. How do you feel about that? Maybe it's just, there's not one thread anymore. So there's like hundreds and then you've got to piece them together yourself. And that's what our Instagram feeds are. Mm. They're all the like kind of minor interests or something that's like sparked our curiosity once, but you never have all of them in the same room. Mm. Whereas I guess there were periods of time that we would go to parties and you could see, I guess, you know, all different music, all different interesting people, all in one room, yeah. all doing different things, pushing yeah. out different, but now you would never have all of those people in the same room. Right. And because we, I guess things have siloed, 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 siloed to a point where no one even talks to each other and <laughs> likes each other and no one's friends anymore. No, no one even knows what each other's doing anymore. No, there was like a, There was probably a, yeah, there was like some window, like this maybe in MySpace, whatever, up until yeah I guess like peak Instagram yeah. whatever you call that whatever generation where yeah there was like I would call it everyone just trying a thing and seeing what happens mm. all these like yeah say like dubstep happened at the same time UK Funky Grime um, all this like creative energy clothing lines got started mm. agency businesses there was a moment of a lot of energy so much stuff yeah. NTS Boiler Room yeah like we, we saw Boiler Room start, like the camera in a room recording DJs. Who yeah. wants to watch that? Like who wants to watch DJs? That's dumb. Like, yeah. and then it becomes the thing that people want to do. I've dreamed of do, doing a Boiler Room. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, it's so bizarre. <laughs> because uh, the things that people dream of, quote unquote dream of doing now, we saw start. And it's people true. can't imagine the electronic world without NTS now, without Boiler Room, without yeah. all of these things that we saw get born in this, what, a five year window? Yeah, around what both of them started, what, 2011-ish? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it was like and I guess the last fight I, I did a tweet a couple of weeks ago and I was like I see a lot of celebrations for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years of things but not celebrations for five and three mm. and I wonder like if because everyone's gone so siloed everyone's gone into solos everyone's on their own Instagram boxed in by themselves yeah. that you're, you're not creating things that I guess are not lasting but are like not really movements they're just individuals that maybe just make money and a bit mm. more quiet and individual and that's not as exciting mm-hmm. or something like to get excited about when I see like 
I've been talking about bands a lot and teams. Mm-hmm. When you see groups of people getting on and doing stuff, it's like, mm. wow, it's like mad inspiring. Because yeah. Instagram, usually people are standing by themselves. When you see groups of like people doing stuff, that I find that super inspiring. Yeah. Like friends, not even just friends, but just people gathering together and going, okay, we're going to put out a song. Or we're gonna yeah. Out, we're going to put on a party. Yeah. Like, I think I think you're, you're getting at it totally, which is that that was an... Um, an era of where collaboration and community before they were sort of co-opted by brands and stuff were really the genuine energy and you didn't most of what you know when I think about that scene um at that time and my friend Sharmadine who started War Nails and you know other friends who were doing interesting work very little of it was um individual centered it was all about trying to create spaces create scenes create parties create platforms um in a way that really feels like it's been moved away from at least in the creative industries but in terms of creative endeavors there's a lot less of of that sort of collective spirit and energy yeah and and you're right it's very um it's inspiring and it's uplifting and also especially in times when things are hard financially you know politically whatever when you're in a group you keep it going because it's not just all on you. Exactly. I think, to me, a lot of what your messaging speaks to is the fact that a lot of people are sitting in their bedrooms losing their fucking minds yep. and they don't know what to do because they don't even want to admit it um, because there's a lot of shame associated with feeling like you're failing or acknowledging that you're comparing yourself to people negatively. Essentially, people are in quite a bad mindset. Mm-hmm. A lot of the events that I do, a lot of, most people come by themselves, which right. says something like, right. about... I guess creativity and people how people see their work. It's like yeah. you don't have a friend that's like into the same thing or yeah. like you didn't you didn't text someone and say, I'm going yeah. to this thing, come along and they'll ask questions like, Oh, how do I find a community or something? I'm like, there's like eighty people here. Like mm. speak to people. Yeah. Like you're here, they'll say your Instagram, say what you do. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh I don't know, like I'm like this is why I'm doing the things. It's like to hopefully spark that not to listen to me. I don't think that's interesting. Mm. Like, I want to clean But like, I, I think the point of going to a panel or going to a conversation or going to, is to meet other people. Right. Like we went to parties. Yeah. It wasn't just about like seeing the DJ. It was like the other people that were there, right? That was like the most interesting thing about going yeah. to whatever parties, like we, the parties that we went around here, Shoreditch or yeah. whatever. It wasn't, I don't remember being fixated on the individual person in that way. Mm-hmm. Like the individual, it's weird. Like we know there's not individual geniuses in that way. There's obviously like super smart people and, yeah. and just doing stuff, but we know it's all bouncing off each other. Yes. But now I guess Instagram is trying to frame it. Like, no, this is the genius. Yes. This is the person. It's like, no. Like, the lone genius. Myth. Yeah. Yeah. We just, and we know it's not true. We know it's not true. Well, hypothetically, we know it's not true, but people, I suppose, are again, locked into this sort of like tunnel vision that comes from, being on Instagram or being on social media, being in your bedroom and not really connecting in real life. And not, mm. you know, when you go outside and talk to people, you're like, oh, it's not that bad out here. <laughs> mm. Everything's good. I'm interested because you just came back from a, uh, what, three months of traveling, was yeah, it? Yeah, three months, yeah. Australia, New Zealand, Japan, where else did you go? So yeah, Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, Brazil, Jamaica, America, and Japan. And that was a mix of like personal travel and you doing talks and events. That's right. So um, two of... The, I guess the trips were touring with the artists I managed Flavor D she was doing tours 
in Australia, New Zealand over Christmas. Like they have like their festivals over New Year. Of period. course, yeah. And then um, she did like a drum and bass tour across Australia, um, America mm-hmm. um, for a couple of weeks. So we went to Miami, LA, San Francisco, New York, mm. and then I went to South by Southwest. Um, and then I did three weeks in a Muay Thai camp in Thailand. Did um, like a lecture and DJ set in Vietnam. Went to Rio Carnival. Um, did a DJ set and I did a lecture in Sao Paulo and DJ set and and then I saw some family in Jamaica for like two days not much then it, no, it, you know what most of the time like I guess because I had three weeks of not moving yeah in in Thailand I wrote so much most of it's useless but mm. just actually just being in a really small space not going anywhere just training and thinking and being alone as well which is like super interesting. The reason I asked about your travels because I wanted to ask with sort of like dipping into all those different scenes around the world, you know, what are things that you're encountering that you think are universal and what, where did you notice different nuances? Because I've lived in a few cities and I'm like sort of eternally obsessed with obviously like global homogenization has happened and a lot of cities kind of feel the same. People have a lot of the same conversations. You go and get the same coffee or whatever. But there are, obviously strong cultural differences you know differences in the way people talk the way that they socialize the way that they work was was there anything that you like encountered on your travels where you were like that's something we should bring here or that was something that was really inspired you or a way of thinking or anything that sort of like came out of that time yeah i guess in brazil it's like the extreme of I guess making it is like making it out of like the favelas. Like, right. So here in, in London, for most people, like you have like some sort of base level of security. Yeah. And there, you know, there's none. So you, you, you feel it in the passion people have for their art. And I guess the, the, the mobility that creativity is, is giving some people makes a big difference to people's lives in a way that I, I think most people in England just couldn't grasp right like the yeah. difference between like having electricity yes and not or do you know I mean like that extreme yeah and um just having that reminder like even me some of the stuff i say on on instagram is like it's useless to those people mm. because it wasn't it wasn't written for that experience yeah and some of the questions i was getting i was like i don't know i don't i've just obviously i just got there and um it, it was ri- written with a london perspective yeah. is written with oh you've got broadband or you've got broadband, I sound like old you've got infinite wi-fi you've got infinite electricity you've got yeah maybe you're living at home with your parents yeah you've got some sort of base level security for most people healthcare healthcare yeah big one probably have work of some sort and free education well, not free education but education that like you have like all these like maybe three or four safety nets for most of the people that read my instagram and then there all of that stuff doesn't apply yeah so you're like, what is actually still useful of the writing that I have here? Mm. And a lot of it was like, yeah, still getting out of your head, like doing the thing that you mm-hmm. want to do. Okay, that actually doesn't cost money. You know, not com- like the not comparing. Yeah, the um, comparing is a global phenomenon. Yeah, <laughs> just it's nuts. Like people are comparing their work to people that have got multi-million pound budgets. Right. Like we're all trying to, I'm like, or even comparing them maybe to people in London who've got all those sort of baseline security factors that they don't have, which are big. You know, we take yeah. all of that for granted, obviously. But like, when you, as you say, when you don't have those things. Yeah. Like we're creating like on a thousand pound laptop. Yeah. And it's like, everyone's got MacBook. Yeah. Here. Right. You take that out of the equation. 
Yeah. And you're making on a, on a netbook that costs like 200 pounds that you've, whatever. And that's, you souped it up and put all the stuff in it that can yeah. make it just function at its base level. It, it forces different music, which is like interesting. Like the, the funk stuff is like amazing and just, yeah, it gets done still. Mm. But then there's this like kind of anxiousness that they're not doing enough or they're not um, keeping up with the rest of the world. And that's mm-hmm. sad. It's just, it's sad. Um, and I don't have a solution for that. Right. So there's some questions I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And my writing doesn't have that element to it yet. Or I don't think it can. It's just. Yeah. What do you say? You can't speak to, yeah. Yeah. What do you say to yeah, mm-hmm. a 17 year old that can't leave Brazil making beats? I don't know. Um, and that's where I guess where the usefulness of my work stops. I liked your your point that you made about sort of working class people know that hard work doesn't always pay off and then not everyone is coming at it from the same um you know with the same set of cards or whatever Mm -hmm. on privilege i guess the last three years i guess like even since black lives matter like people have reframed what privilege is right and i i didn't realize that in in grand terms i wasn't like I knew that I wasn't, I didn't have money growing up and stuff, mm. but I had like, again, a base level security. Like I had home. Yeah. I never moved. I lived in the same house. Yeah. Um, I was brought up in a single parent house, household, mm. but I had the stability of a home. Yeah. And that privilege has afforded me to do art and I lived at home for yeah. quite a long time until, until my mid twenties. And people don't see that as a privilege in itself. Mm. So sometimes I'm like, what yeah i guess where do you where do you draw the line of what privilege is yeah i mean you know there's a lot of levels to privilege yeah there? so i've been trying to like um position myself as i'm saying actually for my experience maybe i'm like rich yeah in a different way yeah and, and i had a supportive uh parent that was like yeah go and explore these things so i was able to to do it and that is a yeah, i mean that's given me a bit of bandwidth to, to explore this stuff in a way that a lot of other people can't yeah and um i'm trying to like get people out of thinking that something is against them in that way like oh you're not rich or you're not this you're not this you're not that it's like well what are the things that have afforded you the ability to do what you do up until this point totally and that's been really helpful yeah to to like not be like a, not a victim sounds like an extreme work but like a well all just these labels being put on you just to operate from a mindset that's helpful yeah because the thing is about you know undoubtedly of course you know some people have way more privileges than others of all kinds but i think for me living in la and i had a friend who sort of taught me about like abundance mindset and just i remember once sort of like being really freaked out about money and she was like but you're rich and i was like i'm not rich i'm freaking out about money i'm worried about i'm gonna pay my rent she's like but look how you live your life like you're rich you are rich you're a rich person you have friends you know even just growing up in london like as i've gotten older what an immense sort of not to say that people who grow up elsewhere are um you know not lacking in any way but there is some to, to be situated in the middle of a city like this, especially as we were saying at the moment when we were sort of young in it, what that's a huge privilege. 100%. Yeah. And I think one thing that can be difficult about the UK is that it doesn't, the mindset of gratitude 
is not really embedded deeply in our culture um, of optimism or positivity. And as you were saying, I think like, or the way I've come to see it now is like, okay, I can sort of name all the things that are wrong with, you know, my life, this setup, this government, this economy, but does it help me to move forward? No, it just totally paralyzes me and puts me in a really bad frame of mind, which exactly. is not, 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 so it doesn't serve me. Exactly. I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, does it, yeah, like, does it have utility and what, especially when you speak to young people, mm. um, like people just say, oh, like capitalism or billionaires. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Like, if you drill it down, like, what, what can you change or what can you influence? What's in your control? Yeah. And that's been like super helpful in these conversations I'm having. And even if we're getting things wrong, wrong, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, it might still be more useful. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, that the truth of things, like the world's completely unfair and the government's against you. Mm. Yeah, that might be all true, mm. but that might not be a helpful point of view mm-hmm. to, to get anything done. And and, I, and now I look back um, and the, I guess the, the the government, the previous like regime, like, <laughs> I'll say, <laughs> um, that created, that, you know, created interesting things or interesting things came out of that era mm. what people said the same things about that period of time yeah, too true like I, rem- I remember things being hard yeah so it wasn't like all good mm-hmm. then right no it wasn't <laughs> I think I think if you could a key difference has been uh, social media yeah okay. <laughs> perception of di- perception yeah. of hardship yeah. awareness of other people's supposed you know um privileges over you advantages over you because of the constant like highlights reel that we're exposed to every day i don't think things were necessarily i mean undoubtedly maybe london was a bit more of an affordable place to live yeah definitely but it's not it's not been cheap for a very long time Mm. and i think the difference is just sort of this awareness of what how other people are living or how they're presenting their lives yeah how they're presenting their successes you never used to see people's holiday pictures before no or their perfect apartments or their perfect children or their perfect, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, which I think that's caused a lot more discontent because undoubtedly, yeah, things are harder, but the actual, you know, in this country, the experience of hardship is real. But for a lot of people living in London in creative industries, you're still living a pretty cushy life yeah, by global standards. Um, tell me a bit about your writing process and sort of what how writing helps you because you talk about it a lot yeah so um there's a few different things happening like say it out loud and write it down write mm. it down say it out loud what does that mean for you um conversations like this yeah having and we maybe we'll hit a wall where we're trying to find the words to mm-hmm. drill that like, down a point mm-hmm. and then might just bounce around in my head for a few days or maybe in tweets or something i can get there mm. and then then you're like, okay, how can this get this down to nine words? Like, what's right. the, how is this gonna knock? Refine the message. Yeah, kind of like- Put it on a yellow like square. An MC, <laughs> like an MC, like approaching bars. Yeah. Um, or, um, okay, yeah, like reading and like listening to podcasts. And um, sometimes I just I just look at things, like I'll be at a concert and I'm just like, what is happening here? Like, can I, can I sum this up in, you know, three, three or four words mm. and that happens sometimes like just being able to like distill an environment or 
or something. That's and and it not someone doesn't need to understand the context I was in to like feel the words. Mm. Um, and this is one of the limitations of um, it being words and not mm. visuals, mm-hmm. because the I guess what I found from traveling is the limitations of English mm. and. <laughs> obviously um, when I was in Brazil the English was useless to me right so I'm like okay some of the ideas if it, they were actually in visuals they would be more potent mm. um, so it's like okay how can I drill this down so it's, it can work yeah I guess more universally right so like simplifying things to the not just the amount of words the words used how they ring together mm-hmm. and then being easy to translate that's not that's so hard um, the same with the I do some like translations in Japanese like some of them just don't work no. just and they're like wow but what would it be if I knew Japanese fluent how differently would I put together the same point? right yeah like that's been mad interesting and um, and I guess a lot of the the, the work comes out of feedback mm-hmm. so either people not getting what I'm saying so it's like okay I need to refine that point or they're not getting what I'm saying, which is kind of cool. Yeah. They've found something in the words that I didn't mm-hmm. even notice. Like I had one that was like, time is the creative director. Um, it was like a caption on another post. Yeah. The post was more time. You don't need more time. And it was like how like Jamaicans would say, oh, more time this, more time that. Yeah. And, I, and then I was like, okay, more time. You actually don't need more time. You just do with what you have. You have an hour, then that's what the idea is going to be. The idea that you can do an hour. Then I put time is the creative director as the caption. And then someone was like, oh, that's a sick thing. You should make that into a square. And yeah. then Time is the Creative Director became like one of the most shared posts. Yeah. And what, the, what does that even mean? I don't know. It's just... I think I understand what it means that sort of the confines of time end up shaping their own product. Is yeah. that what you mean, Maya? Yeah, I think so. And then other people would have interpreted it completely differently yeah. than that. And which is interesting too. It's like, oh, you just, you just read something completely out of context I yeah. created it in. And like um, a few people have used it as a caption or put it in their mood board things on Instagram. Mm. And the way they've used it has made their audience, like one of the guys from Selection posted it in his, one of his carousels in, in, on Instagram. Joe K. Yeah, Joe K. Pick yeah. up Joe K. And the way his audience interpreted it was completely different. <laughs> I want to talk about that um, album. You've only released one track from it, yeah. but the, there's a full, how many tracks did it? Like, like eight tracks. Eight yeah. tracks. I was listening to it earlier. And um, I think that's such an innovative and interesting way to like, I guess sort of disseminate your message a bit further. Um, can you talk to me a bit about that? Yeah. So um, I made an album with a Grammy sequel jams. We did it over zoom while I was in the Muay Thai camp. So again, I've kind of hit a wall with writing and the, yeah. the, the post-it note type format. I've still DJ and I have this connection to music, but the two things didn't overlap. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let me bring the yellow squares closer to a musical form. Yeah. So I um, collaborated with MC with the kind of creative constraint or the time is the creative director limitation of let's do it in a week, record it in a day, you know, and just get the core of the ideas out there. Um, that I've been experiencing so far so that's what we did so did he just write the lyrics based on your yes on so we went back and forth mm. on, on um, like literally just going to tweets and some of the responses or the most common questions and mm. then just trying to put them together in song form yeah um, so and I thought it, well, it's one of those things that a typical writer wouldn't do mm-hmm. so that's a good reason for me to do it and then yeah like that bridge between DJing and writing 
and trying to bring closer together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like a, like a, yeah, well, like I was like, not was, I, I, I don't view things as like leaving me. Like they're always part of you. So like if you are a photographer, but you don't do it anymore, you're still like a photographer. Yeah. Even if it's not your primary thing. And I view that like the same with Grime. It's like, I'm not active doing projects and work of MCs in that way anymore, but it's still like a part of my journey that is nice to like be able to throw back to and still have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the the album is just an experiment, but I think it's a way that I could collaborate with other musicians mm. and like extrapolate all these different ideas. So people that have related to it that I think are good, I'm like, oh, can we make a song together? Or like, what did you get out of this? Yeah. So there could be a song called Time is a Creative Director and someone that's got a different perspective on that could just take it in a different direction. That would yeah. be mad interesting just to build a little, yeah, like universal music. Also, I guess sort of, you know, everyone has different styles of learning and comprehension. Like I'm a words person, you know, I really, that's how I absorb information by reading it. Some people obviously much prefer visual information. Some people are going to prefer audio information. Um, and I feel like, I wasn't sure how much of it were his sort of like him riffing on your ideas or because he did a really good job of like articulating, I think your sentiments. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, it just like drummed it back into my head as I was listening to it in my headphones. So. Yeah. And maybe as always, the, I'm going through the creative process with everyone at the same time. So yeah. it's not a top down oh, I think this is the way to do it. It's like, oh, let me experiment with mm-hmm. releasing music. Mm-hmm. Let me experiment with like how to roll something out in real time with yeah. people so you can see, okay, this doesn't work. Or maybe I've, you know, tried to market this thing in a particular way and I've had success doing it. So mm. maybe this could work on this project. So it's right. kind of like- Cross, like cross pollination of, of approaches. Exactly. Yeah. And with, the, I guess we've managed- manage the projects that I manage or the artists that I manage or things I'm working on they don't some of them just are the, I guess the momentum that the space that they're in they don't need as much creative energy for me in that, in that way mm. now they're just flowing like yeah. David e is just playing the shows and enjoying their life and making music without trying to build it from scratch mm-hmm. I'm not working with any new artists mm-hmm. so it's like using myself mm. as the new artist right. so starting from zero as an artist in yeah. this space today. So yeah. I'm like, oh, is this true? Right. I don't know. So that's been fun. And yeah. And obviously there's low stakes here. It's not like I'm trying to be a pop star and it's like my whole thing is trying to anchor on this. You know, like artists make albums and it's like, I need this to be successful. Otherwise I'm not going to eat. Once right. This is like, there's not that pressure. Well, that brings me quite neatly around to kind of the point I wanted to end the interview on, which was just sort of, you know, we've talked a lot about not basing your ideas of success on what it looks like for other people. And what does success look like for you? What would you say you're reaching towards and how do you feel about where you're at right now? Um, I'm just open-minded to every, like every thing. Like what's what has been bouncing around in my head and just putting it out there without expectation from the world and just softening my view of nature or humans, everything mm-hmm. has been helpful. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be successful at any scale, doesn't need to make like any amount of money. It was obviously helpful if it does. But that this process has been more beneficial to me just as a person, mm. figuring it out. 
than any, I don't know, material success would be. Like wherever I end up next and whatever I do next, this process has been like cleansing or like a- Therapeutic. therapeutic. Yeah, therapeutic yeah. or, and then the, the physical, the exercise and the, um, and yeah, part of it, the validation of your ideas as well. Totally. Like, yeah, like I don't, I don't want to- There's nothing like, wrong with wanting like, a bit of validation. Yeah, 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 yeah we're yeah, human yeah. beings after all, totally. Like, so yeah, because sometimes you I guess through the pandemic, I questioned like, oh, do, do I even have any ideas? Yeah. The same kind of imposter syndrome and self-doubt I went through and at points we'll still go through with this project as I try new things, like making bad stuff and it, I have putting it out there. Yeah. Oh, okay. This doesn't bang. Or yeah, this is obviously, this isn't as good as whatever the thing that you're, that you might be looking at or something. And you're like, oh yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, but you tried. And um, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's like there's, there's no goal, there's no dream, there's no um, expectation of the world. It's just creating and seeing what happens and that being the process and that's it. It would make a good TED talk though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's just put that out there for anyone at TED who's listening. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, I guess the problem with TED or like those kind of things is like, I don't want to be motivational right. in that way. Like, yeah. A bit motivational it is. Unfortunately for you, it is quite motivational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's not, the energy of it is not, um, I wouldn't pr- primarily describe it as motivational. Yeah. I, I think it's clarifying. Yeah. And that being like more the angle than, yeah, you can do it. Right. It's not about that. No. What is it about that It's not, it's not close that app, make the thing, put it out and you'll be successful. It's yeah. just close that and make the thing. Right. Just make it. Speaking of which, maybe a final question to <laughs> yeah. end on. What's your screen time like? Screen time over the last um, couple of weeks has been terrible just because I've been catching up and I've been sitting, um, traveling. Mm. So it is- Terrible. It is, when I'm in an airport, that shit just goes through the roof. Exactly. So um, I will bring it back down over Easter, um, spend time with family and um, just have a actually- actual detachment from the devices mm. i needed them through periods of this this just travel um because i was away and a lot of the time i was alone so it has been higher than you'd i'd like it to be mm. but in april and may and the summer once summer kicks in oh god I, live your life guys yeah. put the phone down live yeah. your life um, yeah there's a useful formula at the beginning of what sorry remind me the first track you've released off the album the name of it is it is it called it's, it's called close app yeah yeah and it has a little formula for yeah. like you multiply the your doom screen scroll. <laughs> doom take scroll your weekly that. screen time multiply it by 52 and reduce what is it uh, uh, subtract it from the total number of yeah years. Like average age um if the Average age of death is like eighty or something. Yeah. Versus your age, so if you if you had a certain amount of hours in a year, this is how many hours yeah. you might potentially spend on Instagram before you die if you keep going at the rate you're at. Yeah. So on that note, close that. Make the thing. Thank you very much <laughs> um, for making time to speak with me, Elijah. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. I just realised I didn't ask you also about your books. Did you get a chance to think about the books? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do you that. feel yeah no it's fine yeah. we can just sometimes I don't I mean we might put it in or I can just it's just to I make a reading list to go with each mm-hmm. episode um, so yeah I just was interested if you would mind sharing a book that uh, recently made an impact on you and yep. why and also a book you'd recommend to anyone can it be the same it can be the same okay. that's efficient I love that yes so that book would be 
The Beginning of Infinity by David Deutsch, who's like a physicist from Oxford. Um, and I guess my route into it was, yeah, through, I guess, physics and first principles thinking, like, is this true? Mm. And I guess how that bounced in my like worldview and the stuff that I was consuming is like, sometimes politicians will say, oh, we're going to create a hundred thousand jobs. We're going to create green jobs. I was like, oh, okay, how? Mm. And just really boiling down things to the atoms, like of, let's just say, if we're going to run out of resources, this is like a big question in this book. And it's like, well, we're never going to run out of resources because there's infinite possibilities. Mm. And like that idea, infinity, like in, there's infinite music now, there's infinite uh, ideas. Like this, I, some people were like, oh, there's too many people in the world. It's like, mm, maybe we're not thinking about how we can support double the amount of people. And yeah. Like just, I guess, trying to remove, yeah, li limited worldview and limited thinking and like just through the lens of physics. And it's been, that's been super helpful. Um, and just to have a different, um, different perspective. I think, I guess I read a lot of stuff by creatives and artists and, and I guess he's an artist in a way, but just having it grounded in like the scientific method yeah. and, and that kind of angle has been helpful. And that's probably popping up subconsciously in the squares, mm. which is an unusual reference point. But, I guess like yeah first principles thinking like the boiling things down to like the core truths or as close to the truths as possible is what I'm trying to do anyway um, so yeah that book the beginning of infinity and the world around it so if you type it into YouTube there's like loads of podcasts discussing it like the art the author Kim Kun artist but he is an artist but the author is on loads of podcasts so yes. he extrapolates loads of these these ideas with different people yeah I've just gone down this rabbit hole of um, let's just say go into all the things that we thought were impossible a hundred years ago. Mm. Um, like what would a person or 150 years ago say about the metal flying in the sky with the <laughs> things coming out of it? Like it's just inconceivable mm -hmm. what they what they would think of that. Like mm. that would be impossible. Mm -hmm. And then but what are we going to think about that going forward? Yeah. Yeah, because we've not reached the limitations of all the technology, right? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> exactly. So, I think we might have only just begun, to be honest. Exactly. It, yeah. That's the title. Right. Beginning of infinity. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, true. So we're back to, back to square one. So, all right. That's a good recommendation. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thanks again.